Hello and welcome to another episode of Aphantasia Experiments. Um, I am currently batch batch recording some podcast episodes. So I mentioned in the first episode of these the batch that I recorded. Sorry, that uh, I was feeling low vibe, and honestly, immediately after I did the podcast, I felt so much better that I got it up and whatever, and then I was like, you know what, I have more in me to, to talk, so I uh, did not want to fold laundry, and I decided I'll make this laundry folding experience a bit better by podcasting while I do it, so I did two podcasts yesterday, and then today uh, I just recorded one, and I was like, you know what, I really need to talk about this intuitive kids stuff and intuitive parenting, this honestly, I feel like I could probably talk about this for a few episodes. So if it gets really long, I might cut it off. But, and it's something that I'm sure is ongoing because I was just telling my friend, we both have had these flashes about helping parents with kids, uh, like psychic kids, because both of us are in it right now and we're trying to figure it out. Um, and I was saying to her, we both have had these flashes of us being um, some sort of guide for people uh, who are experiencing this. But the flash for me is after we're not in it. Like, because we're in it right now and we're experiencing it, we are learning how to do things. And we're not doing it perfectly. We're learning what's right and what's wrong and what's good and what's not. And... Uh, I think in the future we might be able to like seriously help people who have children who have abilities, um, but I don't think we're there yet. Uh, so I think that we're getting these flashes because I think it's something that will happen eventually. Um, but that being said, I wanted to just kind of go through my experience with kids and um, different abilities. And honestly, I feel like it could be because right now what's happening is I have like 10 different situations in my head that have or are coming in so strong I'm going to start with what happened this morning to me and I've mentioned before on this podcast that I when I go to the school in the morning I so I my son <clears throat> sorry throat is so dry I'm so sorry if I if I was better I would do editing and stuff but I just don't have time. So I'm sorry for the swallowing sounds and me coughing. So I go to the school in the morning and and my daughter is in third grade. Okay, so she's eight. I drop, my son goes to the other side because he's in grade five. He's a junior. And also he doesn't want his mom hanging around. My daughter's still the age where she loves having her mom around. So I drop my, my youngest, she's five, in the kindy pen. She goes off with her little kindy friends. And then I spend 10 minutes with my daughter, either playing hand games or she just snuggles me and we just stand in line. But what happens when I'm in line is a lot of kids will come up to me and start telling me random stuff. And I've had so many random experiences with these kids and different kids. I've talked about it before. One girl has the same eyes as I do. And she was in my dream. One girl told me she could... Um, she couldn't eat because she could feel Finley's toe because she injured her toe at school. The pain. She was like an empath. 
And then this morning, what happened, and there's more to that. This girl came up to me with a dime and said that I needed to have it and all this stuff. The experiences that I'm having with these kids, and it's like, I don't know what it is about me. There's other parents in line. I'm not the only parent standing there. <coughs> so sorry. I'm trying really hard. It's 11-11 right now. That's so funny. Um... There are other parents in line, but some reason these kids come up to me and tell me these things. And they're all, there's something about the messages that they're getting that I'm like, oh, this is not a normal thing that they communicate to other adults. It's because I'm open and they can see that. I know it with complete certainty that this is like, they're coming to me and they're sharing their deepest, darkest secret right now. And it's why. So today, what happened was there was a boy at the end of the line, and I am there every single day. I've never seen this kid in my daughter's class. There's like 21 kids in this class. I like know everyone. And this kid is mumbling to himself. And he's behind Finley, and then he looks me in the eye, and he goes, I sense anger. I sense anger. And I said, I'm not angry. Are you sensing it for me? I'm, I hope you don't sense it for me. I don't feel angry. And I just like looked at him in the eyes, and he was like, just, I don't know, it was like he clicked that I was listening to him and he was like getting panicked and he was like, I, what did he say? He says, I see them killing them. I see them killing them. They're hurting them and they won't stop. Why won't they stop? And he was like panicked and looking at me and I was like, take a breath. What are you seeing? Where are, like, what are you? He's like, I can sense it. I can sense it, the pain. And I was like, oh my gosh. Take a breath. This poor kid, he's about to go. The bell just rang and they're, they're, the line is going up and I'm trying to like coach him through this like thing that's happening in his mind. And he goes into the school. And that was my morning. Okay. And this is not something that doesn't happen regularly to me. Like it's not even an abnormal thing. You know, so I think that's, I don't know. That says something about me, I think, being open. But um. It also just shows there's a lot of kids out there that have abilities and things happening and it's scary. And this kid, what I thought immediately, he's going in and he said, I said, I said to him, um, as he's like saying this stuff, I said, have you seen any movies lately? Because kids can often, if you've seen a movie about something it's that's how things can get into your head right so I don't like to discredit any kid if they're saying something but if you've just watched a movie about a fire you might have fears about fire right and this is like something that I would talk about with my son a lot because he used to have a lot of visions of fire and stuff um and the more you think about the more you're gonna like think about it too right um but yeah, this kid, I didn't get to talk to him. I don't know his whole story. I, I just felt like he was connecting to me in that moment for a reason. And I'm fairly certain that the reason I don't know this kid is because he's probably, there's two or three kids in that class that are, that have an EA, an educational assistant, that they have developmental delays, autism, uh some I don't know whatever else behavioral issues um anything that they need uh extra assistance with and I think the students that have the EAs often are out in the playground with the EA till the end and I don't know who's who and whatever and this kid was just here today and it makes me think that he 
has been labeled, and this is me like assuming completely, but I have a pretty good judge of stuff. I assume that this kid has some sort of neurodiversity, like autism, something. But he's clearly hearing or seeing or sensing something, you know? And where is that coming from? And why? He needs help um, to understand that more than anything, not just to be labeled as autistic or whatever. And then what what kind of help does he get? Um, and I don't know what the right help is. Um, I, I I struggle. My son has a lot of behavioral issues. And that was kind of what I wanted to go through on this podcast. That There's a lot of ups and downs to having a kid who has high intuition and um, who is highly sensitive as well. It's not just like, oh... They're highly sensitive, so they're sweet and they like playing with teddy bears and they have really intense dreams. And it's not always that. It's like their emotions are 10 times higher and so their meltdowns take 10 times longer to come off of. Um, There's just like anger is 10 times worse, right? It's not just sadness. It's all emotions and um, it is very challenging, especially when you live in a house with multiple highly sensitive people including one parent who's a highly sensitive so uh it's difficult and um i feel like there's some stuff that has really been beneficial for us and some stuff that has really been harmful and that's kind of what i wanted to talk about on this podcast episode in hopes that if you have a child who is highly sensitive or who has heightened intuition if you think that maybe they're psychic a bit or maybe they have some sort of like past life trauma or I don't know maybe your kid you're just like I don't get my kid I don't get my kid I I don't get them I feel like this is a podcast for you because I I feel like I get kids um But as a parent who's in it right now, again, this is why I'm like, it's hard for me to teach someone else when I feel like I need a teacher. So I feel like I'm going to probably be slightly vulnerable in this episode talking about my experiences. Um, And I am saying I'm not an expert. I have had lots of ups and lots of downs. And... um, I appreciate any any advice if if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I resonate with that so much. This is something that worked for me. Feel free to email me. I'm not someone who like doesn't like advice. I feel like some people don't like getting advice from other people because they feel like they need to figure it out all on their all on their own. And I'm the opposite of that. I'm like, we as a humanity, like if we all came together and took each other's advice and actually listened to it and understood that advice just means that someone is is thinking about you and loving you um if we took advice in that way I feel like wouldn't that be wouldn't that make you feel so much better anyway so I like advice so if you're listening to this and you're like oh man my kid's just like Fletcher um this helped 
please send uh, send your stuff. Um, <clears throat> so back, let's go back in time. My son was born a healthy 10 pounds, three ounces. He was a big boy. And he grew really fast, never lost any weight. He was like turbo. He barfed a lot as a kid. Why am I telling you this? I don't know. But back when he was little, the song by One Direction used to play. It was the story of my life. And so it happened all the time where he would barf on me. And I'd be like, cue the music, story of my life. Because I was just always cleaning up barf because he was always puking. At 18 months, he was throwing up so much at night. And I don't know if, like, I was still nursing him back then. No, I wasn't. I thought, I think I stopped at 18 months. He was having a bottle before bed. So maybe that's what caused it, him to have acid reflux. I don't know. So he started projectile vomiting every night for like a week. And we ended up in the hospital for a couple nights. And that's where I met my pediatrician who has followed him since. So since 18 months to now, she's, he's been with the same pediatrician. Why am I telling you this? I don't know. It's all part of the story. So, you know, because maybe, you know, if we told our stories, we would be able to better make connections to other, to your own experiences. So maybe you have a kid who's going through the same stuff my kid did, and you're like, oh, maybe that means they have the same, I don't know, psychic abilities. Who knows, right? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm sharing my story, so you don't have to listen. But uh, there's going to be some juicy, juicy gossip in here. Juicy gossip. Um, I don't know if there actually is. We'll see how this goes. We'll see how it goes. Okay, so Fletcher, he's sick. They diagnose him with a fructose intolerance. So he goes off all fructose for like 18 months. Or not 18 months. I don't know. I forget how long, but I had to... He was at daycare at the time, and I was pregnant, like eight months pregnant with my daughter. And I was making, like, zucchini noodles every night to pack for his lunch in daycare. And the great thing about daycare was they fed him. I did not have to feed. It was part of, included in the thing. And, but because he couldn't eat any fructose, which is literally, like, in everything, I had to make everything. And he also had food allergies, too, so he was allergic to milk and eggs and tree nuts. And, um, so it was just like that kid that had to eat at his own table kind of thing. He always had like puffy eyes. He always kind of looked swollen. He never slept, never slept, ever, never, still doesn't. He's a terrible sleeper, cannot sleep, cannot sleep. And then wet the bed for the longest time and, um, may or may not still wet the bed on occasion. I'm going to say he doesn't in case his friends listen to this. But, uh, yeah. So, he, um, what was I going to say? He's 18 months, he's sick. Um, 
But, so he does fine in daycare. He's a good kid. Like, everybody likes him. His speech is a bit delayed. He only started talking really once my daughter was born. So they're 22 months apart. So my son started talking when my daughter was born. So at 22 months, he started saying full words instead of just, like, half words. He'd say, like, for dog, he'd say da. Same with dad. So da was dad and dog. And also car, because he couldn't say ka. So... You saw a bus that went by, that was a duh too. So mostly everything was duh. He would just point and say duh. And so when the doctor said, how many words does he know? I'm like, well, he knows duh. And it means at least 27 things. So does that count? She was like, no. So he went for speech therapy. But by the time he was actually in it, he was talking a lot more. So as long as they see progress. So he was in it a bit. And then I was like, I have a a new baby. I do not want to be doing this. It's too much. And uh, so I stopped. Why am I telling you this? Who knows? Because maybe it connects to your life. He was speech delayed, had trouble sleeping. Okay, those are some factors. And then um, he loved basketball. He was four. He loved basketball. We had like a little basketball net outside and he'd play all the time so we we put him in a basketball league was he four yeah no he was five sorry so we put him in a basketball league he's an sk he by the way goes to daycare completely fine there was a couple days there you know all kids have where they grab onto their moms don't want to go sure absolutely had a couple of those and then kindergarten started he went right in maybe he had a couple days i don't even remember i think he was fine in JK. He had a buddy from daycare in JK, so it helped. And then in SK, he started basketball, went to basketball one week, was so excited, thought he was going to be the next, I forget who the Canadian guy that got drafted that year, but there was a Canadian guy that got drafted in the NBA. And so he thought he was going to be the next that guy. Um, sorry. He really wants to go to the NBA, and I, I just burped, so maybe that's confirmation. I'm going to tell him that. The other day he asked me, do you think I, I'm going to go to the NBA? I'm like, I don't know. You I don't know. Like, you really don't. You, pri- you play once a week, and I don't ever want to go. <laughs> so why would you go to the NBA? Like, when I was his age, I played rep basketball, and I practiced all day, every day. And I still didn't go to the NBA. But I want to be a positive parent right (laughs) anyways sorry it is so dry in here so I'm trying to drink as much water and I'm almost done my water so I might have to go get more water um I where was I going with that we're he was in basketball so he goes to the first one he's so excited he he thinks he's going to be the next whatever and then like two days after basketball he gets really sick and I take him to the doctors and the doctor um, is like, uh, it's viral or something, but I'm not able, he's not able to walk at this point. No, you know what? Okay, I forget if she said it's nothing or if she said go to the hospital. I think she might have said go to the hospital because he wasn't walking and he was like five. So I had to... Because I had my daughter, I still had a stroller. 
so it was like a toddler stroller I was pushing him in this and like his legs are like falling off it he's way too big for this thing because his leg wasn't working and the doctor's like no go to the hospital they'll check him and it's probably just inflammation blah 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 so we go to the hospital and um the doctor is like I don't know what's going on with his leg. It's probably just inflammation from a viral infection. And he, But he was like, he diagnosed him with bronchitis. I think that's what it was. And they gave him antibiotics. And then within three days, he was walking normal again. But he completely changed his personality. And his, he just, he went from being someone he, who could go places to someone who couldn't function at all. And I wonder, I wondered for a long time if he had um, pandas. It's something uh, like a strep infection that causes your brain to swell. I think that's basically what it is. So I had him when I was thinking he had pandas. He would. I someone told me that if your brain is swelling, just keep giving them Advil. So I was giving him Advil fairly regularly when he was like his mood was really bad, and it would help. Um, but then, so I I made an appointment with the doctor. So. Going back, he had his first week of basketball, and then the next week he didn't want to go. And we were like, you have to go. And I think he missed that week because we were like, oh, he just got over bronchitis. Like, we'll let him skip. Then the week after, he went and didn't want to go. He was, like, freaking out. And he was there, and when the guy called his name, he didn't answer. He wouldn't answer. And I was like, Fletcher, why didn't you answer when the guy called your name? Like, they marked you absent. Like... And he was like, I didn't hear him. And, like, he said it, like, ten times. Like, what were you doing? He was just staring. And um, and this kept happening. And then I think he made it to maybe three three of his basketball things that he was so excited about. It was probably eight, eight to ten weeks, and he made it to three. And some we tried, and he would just be clawing at us in the car, screaming that he couldn't go. He couldn't go. He was, like, so scared. And then this this behavior went over to his school, too. So he was an SK. Again, he went from being completely fine and normal. Like, and norm, by normal, I mean, like, he would go into the kindy pen and play with his friends. The bell would ring. He would go inside. There was no fighting. There was no, like... And then now we're at a point where... All the kids have gone inside. The bell is wrong. Everyone's in. The principal and the EA have to come out and grab him off me. And I'm bleeding going home every day. And this happened for three years. I actually had, they, they put in place, they put, they gave me my own EA in the morning. He didn't qualify for one in school because once he got into the, into the class, he was okay but I had, I would get to the school 15 minutes early. She would meet me and take him into the school before school started to get him, like, acclimated before school. It was the, he said, it was the, 
um, the playground that was like, the anxiety would start in the playground. It was all the noise. It was so loud for him. He couldn't, I don't know how he can function at school and be okay. My teacher said, he's fine in school. He often goes to the quiet zone and just sits there. So at the time, we didn't know what was going on with him. And it was scary. And it was like, where did my baby go? And I kept thinking it was pandas. And so I was, you know, I went to see a naturopath. We got him on a bunch of vitamins for that. She suspected it too. And like, oftentimes we do things and and immediately I'm like, this is working. It's working. And then, you know, it doesn't work. And it's, I don't know. I'm still in that where I'm like, sometimes things work and sometimes things don't work and I don't know what the the right thing is so uh going back I I'm go to the doctor and I'm like something happened after he was sick he's not the same he's aggressive he's like anxious he won't go anywhere he's attached to me I can't leave the house I remember going out with some of my friends and I didn't leave very often because I was still nursing my daughter um I think I think I just oh I just had another baby so my other daughter was born that was another thing so we just had a baby too like this is like not great timing and so I where was I going with that I don't know he went from being this kid who was just like so sweet to this whatever and and uh, I'm telling the doctor this and saying, um, you know, I want my baby back kind of thing. And she took it seriously, but with, I don't know, I don't know if it's, it's just Canada, but what's great, we have free health care. It's awesome, wonderful. But when you get referred to a specialist, it's like, it can feel like forever, right? So six months later, you know, maybe it wasn't that long, but it felt like forever of me like, I'm going to see naturopaths. I'm going to let, I'm I'm on every Facebook forum trying to figure out what's how how I can get my kid back, you know. And I know I I think I'm still on a pandas board and the moms on there and the dads on there that are reaching out are so desperate and just they they go from having this child who's so sweet and whatever and then in an instant they become a different person and that's like it's really scary and uh I'm saying this now not saying it's all connected to being an intuitive kid this is part of my story and I don't know what is connected and so by telling my story we can make these connections right um there's a lot there's a lot of layers to him and uh and then I have two other kids who are also intuitive that don't have all these layers. And I don't know. We all have layers, actually. That's, that's a lie. We all have different layers. His layers have been more... I've had to peel back more layers early with him than I have with the others. But my kids all have layers. We all have layers. Um, so my doctor refers us to a neurologist. We go see a neurologist a few months later. And um, I remember getting the phone call from the neurologist and the, her number, the last four digits were 444, 
four, 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 like four fours. And I was like, oh, this is something. This is like, there's going to be something with the neurologist, you know, angel numbers and all that. Um, so I see the neurologist and she, I said, you know, a lot of his symptoms, I think it would make sense that he has pandas, especially this is the other thing with my son was he always tested positive for strep. And at this point, he had already had his tonsils and adenoids removed and had strep twice after. So, like, that's the kind of strep carrier it was. He was a big strep carrier. He, like, he would always... He doesn't anymore, so it's gone out of him. But So I had this whole thing about pandas and strep and whatever. I had done a lot of research, and my neurologist, or his neurologist, I should say, said pandas is made up. It's not a real thing. And that just, like, I... I... I understand that a lot of people are have this mentality, okay? I think that a lot of people who specialize in things, specialize in one thing and can only think into that box. And that's like, they can get so good at that one box and that's wonderful because she can solve a lot of things about the brain. But to step outside of that box is extremely difficult. But then there's people like me and probably you, because you're still listening to this podcast, who live outside of the box, right? Who it's, if you don't have a specialty, you're more like multi-potentialite. You're all over the place. Watch the YouTube or the TED Talk on multi-potentialite. telling you, if you're, if you have more than one thing that you're interested in or viewpoint on something, um, and you can think outside of the box, you'll understand that that is more of a, a gift and a blessing and uh, but that there is also a place for the people who are in the box so I try not to be judgmental when people are like that doesn't exist I'm like okay well you're very helpful in your field I'm glad you have that but man I wish I had a doctor who had an open mind about some stuff you know um I would love to have like a clinic where everything's integrative and you you work with multiple doctors at the same time because because of this each doctor has their own specialty and they won't think outside of their own body part, you know? So the mind affects a lot of things. The brain affects a lot of things. And um, I would go to my neurologist about my son and be like, his behavior is so bad. She's like, well, you should talk to your psychologist about that. I'm like, no, like, why is his brain? His brain has changed. It's not him anymore. It had something to do with his mind. And then she's like, well, behavior. I'm like, it's all connected. How? How are you a doctor and you don't see this? Anyways, she did end up diagnosing him with epilepsy. Um, but I think, I still think maybe it was pandas that caused the epilepsy, right? The inflammation in the brain that caused his, his epilepsy to start. Something had to cause it, I think. He wasn't born with it. He wasn't having seizures when he was little. And then what they said was the seizures were causing the anxiety and then old, his psychiatrist said that, but the neurologist says it's not connected at all because it's different. I don't know. Very much in a box there. Um, and then I would say, like, is, it, is he having seizures? Is that why he's wetting the bed? No, that's different. And I don't know. I would read all this stuff on the internet and, and I would dig and dig and dig on Facebook groups and listen to different moms and stuff have d- the same experiences that we were having and their doctors kind of saying the same thing. I feel like 
this is another reason why I'm telling my story here is just because I think that a lot of people go through similar things and because the doctor disregards it as being like, oh, that's not a symptom of this, that it it just gets kind of ignored. And I don't know, maybe there's more to it if we all told our stories a bit more. Um, um, so... She had told me in our initial meeting, she was like, it's either um, nothing and he's just changing because he's at school and he doesn't like his teacher. Is anything going on in your life? Have you recently gotten divorced? Like she was like grilling me about emotional stuff in our life and nothing had happened. But then I was like, oh, I had my daughter and, or did I, I don't even know if I had, I wish I could remember this completely. No, I hadn't given birth yet, so I was super pregnant. This is it. I don't think I had the baby yet. It was like we were going through the struggle with Fletcher, and I was like freshly pregnant, and then I had her in January. Sorry. It's really hard to remember complete timelines. I think that might be SDAM or whatever that memory thing is. Um, so the neurologist says it's either this one brain condition or he's having absent seizures, or it's nothing, and it's just a mental thing, blah, 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 and I was like, okay, okay, she's like, we need to send him for an EEG, and so she did that pretty quickly, and then fairly quickly after going for the EEG, we got a call, and she's like, can you come in tomorrow, and I was like, sure, and I remember being with my girlfriends, and I was like, they want to see me, and um, I was so scared that he like had a brain tumor or something because whenever you get a call from the doctor and they want to see you, you know, the next day, you're like, oh, fuck, you know? So I went in, we went in the next day and I, I was fully prepared thinking, oh my God, I knew it, something was wrong, something, you know, even though... In the appointment, you know, not too long earlier, she had said it's either this, this, or nothing. So it was, she wasn't testing him for a brain tumor. Brain tumors are, but this is where your brain goes, right? Like, and this is just to differentiate. In the last episode, I talked about like pings and stuff and whatever. When you get a call and they, they say you need to come in to see the doctor the next day and your mind starts spiraling and you go to brain tumor, that is not a psychic download. That is a stress bomb. That is not, you know, just, just moms have intuition and I knew that something was wrong with my kid and that there was something more to the picture than just him changing overnight. I knew that in my gut. I knew that in my soul. But going to brain tumor was me being in a stressed situation. So just to try to differentiate that, because I think it's important because I think a lot of us go to that, you know, we go to stress, we go to like, oh, my kid's going to drown or whatever. And those little thoughts are not healthy and they're not actually true or helpful or, you know, so. Um, anyways, I go to see, we go to see the doctor and she's does every, it's like painful. She goes through everything with him. She's same as the last appointment. She takes his height. She takes his weight. She does a bunch of stuff and exercises on him. Does 
looks in his eyes. Um, what else? All this stuff. All these different things. And I'm just sitting there like it, everything is moving in slow motion because I think my kid's going to die. And I'm trying to hold it together because I'm like, I have to not freak out when she tells me he's going to die because I'm with my kid and I can't, you know what I mean? And like, why is my brain spiraling like this? Like, if I look at the facts, which she said, she says it's either this or this. Anyway, so she starts talking and she gives him something to play with, like a fidget spinner or something. And, uh... He's, like, going through her drawers and banging and being really disruptive. Because at this point, he is just unhinged, this kid. He's, like, a, a, just a beast. I don't know, like, a caveman child. He went from being this lovable... He was still lovable, but, like, uh, you'd want to wear protection around him. Because you'd be scared that he'd hit you with a random toy. And I got hit a lot. Um, so she says... It's not this one thing, which was um, some sort of, I think it was some sort of brain, some sort of epilepsy of some sort that it was like an anger. It caused your temporal lobe to do something. I don't know. And she was like, it's not this. But what we observed on the EEG was that he was having multiple seizures. And I said, multiple. And she says, in the EEG, he had three seizures that lasted 30 seconds or more so they measured his or sorry 60 seconds or more was it 60 seconds I don't remember but so he had an hour-long EEG and in that hour his brain just stopped working three times for 30 seconds or more so I started thinking about that and I got emotional and she was like, why are you emotional? I'm like, because if he is sitting there and he can't hear me and I'm yelling at him and I'm getting mad at him, like it just, I felt so guilty about getting so mad, you know, and about, it was like, in that moment, I was flashed to basketball and them calling Fletcher, Fletcher, Fletcher and him just staring at me like this blank stare on his face. And I was like, why are you not answering like Fletcher? And it, like, and then when he's watching TV and I'm telling him to turn it off and he's not listening to me, these things just kept, you know, flashing to my head. These are the flashes. These are the real flashes that you're like, oh, it's all making sense. It's all connected. Anyway, so they diagnosed with him with epilepsy. And uh, because I think what she said to me, and I don't, again, this, this whole experience is a bit of a blur because, um, because it, um, it was traumatic in a way. Like it was or dramatic um, because I had played up this thing in my head that he was going to die and then she was giving me this okay this is an actual thing which if you've ever had anything medical with your kid or with yourself and you are going to multiple doctors or you're just going through your day-to-day life, life and googling and googling and googling when someone finally gives you an answer and says take these pills and it's going to help, 
you're like so emotional and relieved you know I wasn't like happy that my kid had epilepsy but I was so happy to have answers and to be like okay take these pills three times a day and this problem should go away so he started taking his ethosuximide which was the epilepsy seizure pill that he would take and I remember posting on Instagram or something a picture that he drew two days I think after starting the medication he we used to we always do art in our house we're always coloring and he used to draw for like 10 seconds and then get so frustrated because it would be out of the line and it would be all messy that he would rip it up and throw it on the floor and this went on for like a year of him just scribbling I never saw him as a good artist because he would just get so mad and it was at the age where he should be developing more like he's five he's he's starting to color more in the lines like my daughter is five now my youngest and she's starting to have like some creative abilities and she comes up with her own shapes and draws her own things my son was like not artistic and I was just like okay he's not artistic um boys aren't artistic I guess (laughs) I didn't actually think that my older son was very artistic but anyways so he starts his medication two days after starting it first of all day one he's like can we go for a jog and I'm like um uh (laughs) no but sure like he needed to get the energy out of he had so much energy in him and I was like okay we need to go outside so he was little he when we ran the entire block I just walked really fast but he ran he sprinted I'd be like okay stop at the stop sign wait for me and he ran and we did this and and he felt better but he knew in his body that he needed to do that so sometimes kids with intuition actually know what they need sometimes too he still does this when we went to we were doing at my daughter's gymnastics the other day and I think the fluorescent lights inside the gym are too much for him so he brings his computer down he's like can I just go sit outside by the tree and I was like yes please and he's like he'll come in every 15 minutes or so 20 minutes and be like oh it's just so much nicer out there I'm like yeah it's fine I like watching your sister but I get it being outside is better and he needs fresh air um hot tip for intuitive kids if you don't feel like listening to my whole story kids need the outdoors um so he starts on the epilepsy medication first day he's running around in circles second day we sit down and we draw and he my mom my mom's friend had a book published and she had these coloring sheets and he had brought it home from a book launch or my mom gave it to us from a book launch or something I don't know why it matters I just remember the picture okay it was a picture of a fox um on a pirate ship and I framed it and I put it on our mantle for the longest time because it was perfectly drawn he went from being just a complete scribbler like fist fisting that sounds awful but like taking the crayon and just grabbing it with his fist and just kind of drawing like a crazy person, crumpling it, being like savage with his crayon to drawing this perfect picture. It was beautiful. It was completely colored. The colors were right. Not that they have to be right with a five-year-old, but it was just like 
really, really well done. And just, I was just floored that in two days of taking this medication, he went from being completely scattered to being able to color a picture. So I think the medication he was on for the epilepsy was definitely helpful. But that, it, his journey didn't end there. Starting the epilepsy medication helped him. Um, he got in a lot less trouble because we understood what was happening and the pauses stopped. He started just being able to listen again. And we realized it wasn't that he was not listening. It was just that his brain was just not functioning, right? And when you learn that about yourself, like we all went through like a period of just feeling so guilty. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's just a hard thing because he, what would happen was he was missing out on a lot of stuff. So um, we would have conversations and he would not hear half of it, right? Like, and then it's really hard if you have a kid who has absent seizures, it's hard to even know when they're doing it. It's it's hard. I mean, a lot of kids watch a lot of TV or like stare at you randomly. He still does it. He's not on epilepsy medication anymore, but I we're going actually next week for an EEG to to see if he's having seizures again because he I feel like he's staring a lot and I don't and his behavior has been weird again and it's this constant evolution of trying to figure out is it his mind is it his brain is he seeing dead people is it like there's this constant there's so many layers to him I think there's so many layers to all of us right um but the intuition is part of it. And um, so when he was diagnosed with epilepsy, I started trying to learn everything about it. And I was trying to learn about different types of epilepsy. And he was diagnosed with childhood absent seizures. So they estimated that he was having, I forget how many seizures a day, but if you went an hour times 24, Right, three times twenty-four, whatever that is, seventy-two, twenty-four, forty-eight, seventy-two. Right, I'm so bad at math. I'm so sorry. My my husband is really good at mental math, and I'm like, I'm great at actually doing math if I have a calculator, but mental math, garbage, just garbage, just garbage. But I remember when I was in school, like in grade four or whatever, when you were doing multiplication tables, mental math, I was decent. I was pretty good. So I think it was. I was fairly good at memorizing things. Now I just like, I don't need to have that memorized. So I just, it's out of my mind. Um, so I started learning everything about epilepsy. Joined all these epilepsy groups. And my son, all during this period, were having, he kept saying, he kept having the feeling like something had happened before. He kept having, I feel weird. This feels funny. This feels like some, like he kept having these moments. And the more I like researched it, the more I was like, oh, he's having like deja vu all the time, which is a seizure symptom or an aura, aura, right? You feel that aura. Is that what it is? Um, and he was getting them all the time, but he wasn't having the seizures anymore that I could tell. Um, but then I think he went for another EEG and he was still having them, so they upped his medication. But he was having these deja vu moments. And then he kept, like, predicting things that were happening all the time. And I was like, what the fuck is this? There's something to do with epilepsy and psychic abilities, I'm telling you. I am telling you. 
there is with these aura these the the things that happen before they have the seizures they have these experiences there's something there 100 p so during this time when his epilepsy was fairly uncontrolled um he was having a ton of visions and a ton of of stuff happening and then he was having nightmares and um having the hardest time sleeping and I started recording him in bed because I told my neurologist I'm like he he like sometimes will poo the bed which is like that takes effort how do you poo the bed is that like a normal thing I've have four kids and I've only ever had one kid poo the bed and it was like he would do it constantly and I just, I had, I was like, it has to be something with epilepsy. Like he has to be having a seizure in bed. And so she's like, well, record it. So I started videotaping, but then I started videotaping and I start getting orbs on the, on the, uh, recording. So I'm videotaping him. He's sitting up at night and he's having these, like, almost like these fireflies going around his head and zooming around. He's looking all around and I'm like, is it dust? What is this? It looks like, I don't know. And then in one one recording we had on there, we had it said, my husband and I played it so many times because it would record anytime there was movement. So he sat up and is looking around and it said, Johnny's near And we're like, what the heck? What was that? We heard Johnny. Johnny for sure. Johnny, no doubt. And then we kept playing it, we kept playing it. I was playing it with my friend, for my friend. I'm like, listen to how creepy this is. Johnny. And then Fletcher, who was five or six, I don't know. He comes up to me and he's like, what are you listening to, mommy? And I'm like, oh, this was some, something that we got on your video, but we heard, it must be something from the TV. I don't know. We heard this voice. And he's like, let me listen. I'll know what it says. And he listens and he goes, it says Johnny's deceased. Can't you hear it? And then we play it and it's like, Johnny's deceased. It was like clear as day. As soon as he told us what it was, we were like, Johnny's deceased. Anyways, my my uncle, John, had died not too far before that. And it was like the week after that, I think we were going to his funeral. So I feel like that was like him coming through. Maybe. I don't know. That's the only thing I can place it with. But it was, there was no TV on. We just didn't want to freak Fletcher out that that voice was just coming in through his room. So the experience with the video camera, like amplified my belief in ghosts and stuff. And I've always believed, but when you have something like experiences happening in your house, I'm watching for seizure activity and I'm really just getting ghost activity. Crazy. But he was also, Fletcher would also like get up and have his eyes wide open and follow these orbs with his face. And he'd have these like jerking moments and then he would just like lay back down and go to bed. It was like it was like these orbs or whatever were communicating with him. And then he would wake up and have no awareness of it. But it was like it was captivating on these. And I I, I need to find them. I swear they're in my email somewhere, these videos. And I if I find them, I will put them on the blog. They're just you watch and you're just like and I remember at the time I had a friend who lived on my street who was like she told me that she had psychic abilities. And at this time, I didn't really think anything about my own abilities. I just knew when I was a kid. I didn't even think about the fact as a kid that I talked to dead people. It was just like, that was that version of myself is so far gone. My kid is a psychic. 
me, I'm just learning about this stuff. But my friend who lived down the road told me all about these abilities she had. So I showed her a video and she was saying that there was a dark entity at one side of the room, but the actual orb was positive and she was telling me all this stuff. And anyways, at the time, my neighbor across the street was like, oh, I just came from this baby shower or something and they gave me sage, but I'll never use it because I don't believe in that stuff. Do you want it? And I was like, yeah, I do. Clearly I needed that. I went around and saged my house and things things got better for a bit for him. He stopped sitting up so much at night and he was really into saging like he liked the experience of it so um I always I I thought for a while that I needed to like be more quiet about like um what I thought he was experiencing but the more open we've gotten about it the more he's been able to express himself to me like sometimes he'll say to me like well what if you know like we were talking about past lives the other day and he was like well what if this happened to me in a past life and this is why so he's able to almost like process stuff for himself by talking about um, experiences that perhaps happened in a past life. And perhaps that's why he's like that. And then we're able to talk about like, well, if that's why, let's think about how many different ways it could turn out in this life, right? Um, so it's actually like been very good to talk openly about stuff with him. Um, currently, he is struggling to sleep. Um, because I think it's because my, all my kids are having trouble sleeping and I think it's because of, I think my father-in-law is kicking around, not haunting them, but, uh, I think he's there and they can sense him and, uh, I feel it too. And, and I think that kids are really, um, way more in tune than we are, um, especially at night. And so things like the dark freak kids out because you can almost see energy in the dark. Um, it's interesting. Like the more you, if the more you're alone with yourself in the dark, the more you kind of realize the energy is almost visual. It's interesting. Um, but kids, yeah, nighttime, nighttime. I feel like a lot of people say, and I don't know how true this is, uh, the, the veil is thinner at nighttime, like at three o'clock in the morning. I don't know how valid that is, but I know that I often wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I have to go sit on my couch and I feel like the sky is talking to me and it feels like I get so much intuitive knowledge. There's so many downloads that happen during that time period. There's so many flashes and whatever. Um, and I feel like my kids are the same. Like they often wake up in the middle of the night. My daughter is in a, on a kick right now for the last month pretty much since my father-in-law died she has to leave her room in the middle of the night and go sleep on the couch and that's what I usually do too when I can't sleep I don't know if it's like being in a bigger open space it's less like scary at a, or I don't know I'm not for me I'm not even scared of of being haunted or like in the middle of the night I go to the bathroom and I keep the the lights off I just pee in the dark and I wash my hands and I go but the other night I was in there and all of a sudden, while I'm going to the washroom, the shower starts going off. Not like fully, but enough to make the water go out of the shower head. Like I have a waterfall shower head there. And it was not dripping at all. And then all of a sudden, it's all dripping. I'm like, hello, Jim. <laughs> you know, 
that's I just assume it's my father. I'm like, I wouldn't mind some privacy peeing, but it doesn't scare me. Where some people are like, ah, that's so freaky. I'm like, no, it's nice. Like, it's nice to know that uh, our energy just keeps going on and on and we can do all this cool stuff after we pass. So, um, where was I going with that? My son, going back to my son. So he's got epilepsy. Let's go, let's go back there. So he's going through school a couple years. So still in school, um, he's struggling going to school. And I'm blessed somehow his SK teacher, who's a supply just for one year, they only the school only had this woman for one year. Her mother has epilepsy and um so she's she understands um and we have this whole conversation and she just like she can like under she she was like such an advocate for him and then she like just paid so much attention to his behaviors and stuff and relayed that information to me so it was like I was so lucky to have this woman be his teacher for this one year and she also um taught him about mindfulness and like did meditation in class and he really enjoyed that and that kept carried that kind of practice through in life we often do meditations and stuff um so yeah that was nice and then the next two years he had a teacher that didn't pay attention to stuff and he just like could not go to school so that was two years of having an EA meet us before and then COVID hit and then it became better because all the kids could go in right away so at school instead of lining up which was the hardest thing for him he had trouble um being in the outside like shenanigans like the lining up and the bell ringing Ooh, he just couldn't handle the bell ringing and so um going straight in was fine and uh that was better and at that point actually we still had it we had a ea up until we went for so this is two years of having an ea help us in the morning we went for uh neuro neuro education psycho neuro educational assessment um so the school in Ontario, if they think that something might be off or whatever, your kid has ADHD or whatever in class, the teacher might put forward this request to have this thing done through the educational system and is paid for. But the teacher was like, nothing's wrong with Fletcher. He's fine. Meanwhile, he's like not retaining any information. He's not. He's too scared to go to school. Uh, he doesn't remember anything, any homework he has. He has no clue what's going on. And the teacher's just like, no, he's great. Um, anyways, we had to fight. We, not fight, but we had to get an educational assessment. The educational assessment was he was diagnosed with ADHD and, like, severe anxiety, social anxiety, and generalized anxiety with sprinkling of OCD. And um, he was, like, borderline autistic and... The pediatrician later diagnosed him with autism as well, which which we haven't, I don't, I, it's like a spectrum thing, right? Like, I think we're all in a bit of a spectrum. So um, these are all like labels he's been given, but I think he's really just a really weird, not weird, <laughs> I was going to say thick, thick onion. He's just got so many layers to him. There's so many 
things that are going on in that little brain and body of his um, that we've had to figure out. And a lot of it's connected. And then sometimes things aren't connected. And you're like, is this connected? Does it mean something? You know? Um, so with Fletcher, we started... So he got diagnosed with ADHD, and then I went to my pediatrician. She's like, okay, we just needed the diagnosis to start him on medication. So we started him on uh, Concerta, which is an ADHD medication. And just like the um, the drawing where he, like two days later after starting the medication, and he was able to draw that picture... A day, I think it was like the day after starting Concerta, he went to school without needing the EA to pull him off me. He was just like, see ya. And I was like, what? And then I was like, was the ADHD causing the anxiety? Right? Because he had this anxiety of going from the car to the school entrance, of like going through all these people. And as soon as he started the ADHD medication, all that, the anxiety of going from the one place to the next place was gone. I think it was like the ADHD medication helped his brain absorb the 400 different thoughts that was going on in his head and and keep it on the one of like walking from point A to point B. Do you know what I mean? Like it took away. Um, And then I think like if you're taking away all those thoughts, are you taking away like psychic ability but then I think about myself and I think about my mind and the things that come in that are are I think intuitive knowledge and there's some things that come in that are um ego driven right and then there's some things that come in that are based off of complete fear like as I was saying before when I got the call from the neurologist and my brain went to brain tumor because that is my worst fear and that's where our brain goes somewhere and that those spiraling thoughts are not psychic downloads they're just stress bombs right they're like when you have a dream that someone's trying to murder you and you're super scared in your dream it's because of something that's going on in your life that you're, you're scared of happening. It's a psychological experience. So you having the thought of something terrible happening to your kid because you get a call from the neurologist, that's psychological. It's, what, it's your worst fear playing out in your mind. And you have to like play that out sometimes to pre-process, I guess. Is it healthy? Probably not. I don't know, maybe a little bit. We have to process stuff. But I think what happened when my son started the ADHD medication is he was able to dial those thoughts down and and figure out, hey, I'm just walking from point A to point B. And and I think it's okay to get rid of the spiraling thoughts. I think that um, if you're worried about medicating your kid and, and them not having special abilities or whatever anymore, I don't know. I don't know if that's a thought for other people, but... Um, as soon as he started the ADHD medication, he uh, started going to school, no problem. And he started um, doing more creative projects and he would finish them more. So he would start creative projects and just like leave crafts all over the house. He still does this. 
and he's absolutely in need of a med adjustment right now, so I know this. Um, but I was really worried that him starting the the ADHD medication would would he would lose some of his creative spark because he was really he was a problem child in the way that his behavior was very um, uh, impulsive. And sometimes that landed him in a lot of trouble. But the things that he would do, I was always like, he's cool. Like, he would do the weirdest things. Like, he would, weird. Um, He would, he always wanted to wear a sports jacket. Like, he always wanted to wear his best clothes. Like, he'd wear jeans and a sports jacket and aviator glasses. And he'd, like, go outside and play the guitar for the neighbors. Like, five years old, six years old. And uh, make his own songs up. He'd always be writing lyrics. And, uh... Like, he just had so much creativity in that little body of his, and I just thought he was so cool, too. As much as he he uh, kept us on our toes and we had to be worried if he held a baseball bat, he was, like, just a cool dude to be around when he was uh, in his creative element, right? So I was worried about the starting the medication. But what I have to say is he started it and school got better and he was, his creativity was amplified and he was able to hyper-focus on things in a healthy way and his impulse control was so much better. Like, I had two young girls as well and I was able to like, you know the feeling of of feeling on edge completely and then all of a sudden you get into a warm bath and you're able to like let your muscles relax that's how I felt after a few days of him being on the ADHD medication because I was like okay I don't have to worry about someone getting hit by a golf club I can nurse my daughter without him getting a knife from the kitchen you know like he was just and that sounds like he's completely off off the wall crazy but sometimes I'm telling you he was off the wall and and uh and then we would have these moments we would be in bed together at night we'd be snuggling and he he was just the sweetest boy and he cared and he would just talk about the world and the universe and and he had such deep deep thoughts and uh, uh I just love I loved him so much as that troubled little boy and I still love him now he still has so many great thoughts in that little mind of his but the I'm getting ringing in my ear right now the um the worry of starting the medication like um I just want to say that in case there's some parent out there listening and they're like oh my kid I'm scared of them with a baseball bat and I'm worried that if I start medication they're gonna lose who they are it didn't but it wasn't it didn't end there for him. So and I'm still trying to figure out his medication. I know after telling the story and remembering that that I know for sure he needed to be on something, right? He needed to be at that point it was the concerta and it really did help him. And he didn't need anything else for a good six months. So he was fine. And then he started seeing things. And that was the next thing. And and again, maybe this is something to do with with um Claire like a clairvoyance I don't know I I don't have the ability to visualize so when my son started talking about how there was bees everywhere in his room and there was no bees I was like I don't really know what to do with this and then we couldn't go anywhere because there was too many bugs and 
like he we would go to the beach with all the kids and he would scream and make me take him to the car so I would stay in the car with him for two hours while the girls played on the beach because he was scared about all the bugs everywhere that he was seeing and it became this really really hard thing that we couldn't do anything or go anywhere because he was so scared and I remember emailing the principal being like we were we thought we were doing better but um, I might need an EA again to help me in the morning because he can't function and he can't like he can't he thinks there's and then he was having these like and he's have this is another thing that is happening again he's having these um he keeps thinking that his sisters are saying things and they're not. So he's having stuff in his mind too. And then I'm like, is this clear audience? Like, is this what's happening here? And again, I'm in it. So I don't know fully how to deal with it. Things I know that have helped staying on top of his medication, making sure he's taking the pro- proper dose. I'm in the, I'm in a, right now, I know for sure I'm in the bad zone. Um, And we are going soon to get an update, but we wanted to make sure he's not having seizures anymore and that he, we ended up taking, so I'm going back a little bit. So he was on Concerta for a bit and then he started having these hallucinations. So we put him on another drug and since then he's also been added another, I think, oh my God. Anyways, he's on a couple, he's on another anxiety med too. So it's like he's on this one pill that helps with the ADHD and then he's on another pill that does with the anxiety and then there's another one that he deals with for his hallucinations. Um, and each pill that he's taken, I've seen like significant improvements. But then I'm like, I had this whole thing when my father-in-law died. I had a whole dream about him. And it was all about drugs. And it made me end up doing this genetic testing for my son. And I think it's important that if you if you have a kid who's going on some sort of medication for ADHD or any sort of mental health um, issue, um, I feel like it would be nice to know about this test if you didn't know about it already. Um, I think the government should pay for it. Um, I mean, I'm in Canada and I'm used to the government paying for healthcare stuff, but like, uh, I know how the drug system works in pharmaceuticals. I know it. I know. I just somehow I think like if the right thing, if there's a right option out there, man, you think that the government would go for it. So in an ideal world, before any of us are prescribed ADHD medication, anxiety medication, pain medication, any sort of medication, really, we should have genetic testing done to see if that medication will work with our bloodstream and our genetics. So there's a test. I did it through, In I thought, I thought it was in Vati, but it's not. Anyways, I did this test. It was $299. In case you're like, what's the test? I don't know. It's $299. I can, if you email me, I can send it to you. Um, but it was a genetic, genetic test that would go through all the pain and um, mental health drugs. So like any sort of pain, but also ADHD medication, anxiety medication, antipsychotic medication. It goes through all of the medications and tells you which ones work with your genetic profile. 
I'm sorry, I'm so thirsty. So we did this test for my son. And honestly, most of the t- most of the things came back fine. There's only a couple that were actually green, which means like go. Um, one of the drugs he's on wasn't even listed, so I was kind of disappointed about that. And then one was yellow and it said he was a low metabolizer. So I'm going to go through it with my doctor. But I think like, imagine all the people in the world who are on medication who don't actually know if the medication is properly functioning for them or if their metabolism goes through it way quicker than someone else. Um, um, I think it would be really valuable to know this information and, and it's it's so easily available um it just costs a little bit of money and I did some research because I was like okay my doctor sends me I'm in Canada again it's I'm covered and that's really a wonderful thing but with that comes other things that are problematic right so people in other countries they don't have free health care they think oh we're spoiled or whatever but there there comes things with that like the waiting to see specialists and like our ER system's terrible. And, um, I try to look on the positive things, but I'm just saying I sound, I sound spoiled here, but trying to get answers for your kid who has an onion list of issues. It's, uh, it's honestly, it's really hard and, and it burns you, burns you out quickly. So if you're in it, I get it. I feel you feel free to email me. I, I will listen. Um, so where was I going? I find out he has, he's on a bunch of medication. Um, things I found along the way that are, have been helpful for him. And I, this whole episode is going to be about intuition. And I really have just kind of talked about his whole thing, his whole struggles and whatnot. Um, He's 10 now, and this has gone, like, this has been years of us trying to, like, figure out his medication and also me struggling with, like, if I put him on this, is that going to help? Like, is he going to lose all of his psychic abilities? And, like, I just want him to be able to go to school and be happy, you know? I want him to be a kid. I don't want him to worry about that stuff. Um, I also, like, worry my big fear oh the thing i was saying about the drug test jesus my big fear and i'm gonna go back to the drug test here so my son's on a few different medications and um i don't think what he's on is fully right for him i think we could dial back i think that there's probably a drug out there that's better that does two things instead of one um and there might be something completely different that might help him heal, like maybe some sort of hypnotherapy or something out there that we'll get to eventually. But as a parent who's in it and sees his kid struggle on the daily, like he has to be on medication. I, uh, and I do a lot of alternative therapies on him. Like I do a lot of sound healing on him, which really, really helps that I'm going to get into that. Um, but one of the hardest things for us has been trying to figure out the medication. So, so, so we've been, he, he tried a couple different medications too, um, for anxiety and whatnot. And so it's been like a lot of ups and downs and it hasn't been easy. And 
any parent I talk to who has a kid, oh, sorry, I just touched my phone. I, that wasn't annoying. Any parent I've talked to who has a kid who is on the spectrum of any sort, who's ADHD, who's neurodiverse in any way, the parents are fucking exhausted. And figuring out the medication is the last thing. They just want the doctor to be like, this is the right thing, go forward, save yourself, you know? I think a lot of moms are like, if you can't figure this out, you need to medicate me because I cannot take this anymore, you know? And I know this because I've heard so many exhausted parents and I've, I know, I know it. I've been in, in it. I'm still in it. Um, I've gotten a lot better at, you know, understanding and dealing with it all. But um, so I was doing research into, again, the healthcare system. Um, when you go for generic blood tests in Ontario, so I'm in Ontario, Canada, if you are uninsured and you go for your like generic blood work or whatever and you have to pay out of pocket, it's like 300 bucks or the A1C is like 300 bucks, 150 bucks, something. I don't know. It's so the government is paying for this, these tests anyways, the tests to find out if drugs are going to work properly for you, which would help the doctors better diagnose and better prescribe drugs. It would make their job much easier is $299. And I'm sure if they worked out some deal with the government where they they own the the they pay them billions of dollars to actually own the test or whatever. Imagine how many people would be saved if they did that. Anyways, I had to pay out of pocket, which is annoying because I don't work right now. <laughs> but I thought, you know what, if I'm gonna talk about this, I'd probably do the test and uh I'm going to see the pediatrician in a couple weeks to go over it. There's definitely some of the medication that he's metabolizing at a slower rate. And that definitely affects how you process things. And And I talked to the pharmacist and she says that he's not optimized on his medication yet. So sometimes it just takes some tweaking and whatever. Um, but I'm really happy that I did this test. So if you have a kid who's who you're going through some sort of neuro diverse whatever and you're thinking about medicating them in some way I think that this is an important thing that you should do even if it costs money I know it sucks uh, I really wish that we had more support from like insurance companies and um, the government um, but really if you think about how the medical system works and stuff it's not always our best interest it's about the money and the pharmacies and the all that stuff, right? Like doctors have drugs that they prescribe more than others because they have relationships with their pharmaceutical reps. Think about it. Um, so if you do your own research on medications that you're going to give your kids to, I think that's important. I've, I've like researched all the ones that he's on and I'm, and uh, I try to get like a good understanding of what he's taking and, and whatnot. Um, so just, that's like his medical history and um and I said a bit about like the seeing the ghost in his room and stuff and he had the fire thing happen he predicted a flood at his school and that was when he had such a great principal he had a principal and vice principal back then that were just the kindest people and I remember he was having this like meltdown about this flood and I was like don't worry like floods don't happen very often like let's not be too scared about this flood 
And then the next day, I went to go drop him off with his EA. And, and Ryan, the, the, the vice principal, was, was there. And he's like, Fletcher, I need you to come with me. Uh, Misty's inside. I need your help. Um, there was a flood in the school. <laughs> and he does he was just doing it because he knew he was super anxious and he was the other helper person like I he was it, it was either him or the other the EA and uh anyways he d- brought him inside but Fletcher looked at me like see <laughs> I think it was his birthday actually it was his birthday that day that there was a flood on his birthday um anyways he had he and then my, he predicted my son my friend's son's birth being traumatic and he was like in four days it's armageddon or something ridiculous and her birth was so awful i was i was her birth partner and i before that i thought about being a midwife and uh uh i'm really glad that i had that experience but i'm still almost dealing with the as a highly sensitive person myself um witnessing someone in extreme pain is is um it's really difficult so I'm blessed that I don't get to experience that very often and I'm blessed that I did get to experience it because I feel like it taught me a lot about who I am um and it also taught me that I probably shouldn't be a midwife or maybe I should be a midwife because I really care and I can sense when things aren't going right because I definitely feel like I made an intervention there that needed to happen. I don't know. And I feel like sometimes the hard things in life, the things that make you feel really uncomfortable and make you think and make you sad and make you whatever, are the things that actually make you grow and the things that sometimes you need to lean towards. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe I should be a midwife. No. No, I don't want to be a midwife. I am really good at babies, though. I am a baby whisperer. Give me a crying baby. I will get that baby to stop crying. I'm pretty good. Um, so other stuff with Fletcher and my other kids. So going into like intuitive kids, I know I really was going to talk about that and I kind of just went into our whole story, but I think that who knows what will, what, what you'll take of that. So with my son, we always try to play intuitive games and my daughters love this too. We, I'm sitting right downstairs and I'm reminded of, we play darts often. I haven't done this in a while, actually, but we would play darts. And because my kids are terrible and they can't actually aim or do anything, they would just say random numbers before throwing it and then see if it would land on the random numbers. And my son was so accurate. He'd be like, two, 17, nine, 12, and (laughs) like say it midair and he would get it. (coughs) And I'm telling you, he was not naming, like aiming. He was just psychically knowing where it was going to land. And then we, whenever we, we would press the button at one of those elevators, like three elevators in a row, we would play the guess the elevator. So like little psychic games like that, or you're sitting down and like on our porch, we'll sit there and we have a very like quiet street. So we'll play like guess which color the next car that goes by is going to be, or you're at the mall, guess who's going to walk, what color the next person's shoes are going to be, or the, like little things like that. We play games like that all the time. And my daughters and I, they're in a bunk bed together and I go to my daughter's bunk bed top and top bunk bed and snuggle her for a bit. And we play a game where she guesses the color in my mind. And then I do it with my other daughter. 
And my other daughter really likes playing this game where I get to pull memories out of her brain. And so she's like, okay, pull one out. And I just like play around with her brain and I try to suck a memory out and I'll tell her a story about something that happened at school. And I just make it up. And she's like, yeah, and Johnny was there, blah, blah, blah. And I'm always just making it up. And then I'm like, am I making it up or did that actually happen? And it always has happened. But really in my mind, I'm just like making up a story of something that could have happened. But she's always so blown away. And then that experience will lead to her telling me more stories. And that's fun. My daughter, my youngest daughter, is an intuitive artist for sure. She wakes up in the morning and channels art she will get up I should do a blog post just on her art because she will draw she's five and she draws these elaborate things and it's a story the other day she drew a picture of a woman she's like I don't know who this woman is but she's got a whole hole in her sweater she's walking down the road and this cardinal comes and swoops down at her and there's this picture of a cardinal and she's like and then there's these two blue jays here and the one blue jay sending her love and she wants the woman in the sweater to know that she's loved and there's this whole like thing and I'm thinking oh my gosh this is like I think it's a picture of my friend who goes for walks and she's always telling me that the birds like the blue jays her grandpa and like, I swear this is a picture of my friend and her sweater's got a hole in it. I don't know. Um, and then this morning, she sent, she, <coughs> she came up to me and she's had this picture of two broken hearts. And my friend recently went through a little bit of a breakup. And um, uh, anyways, we we're talking about Christmas and how she felt like something was coming in in Christmas and and she went to see a Reiki person and the Reiki person said something similar and we keep getting Christmas, Christmas, Christmas and whatever. And, and my daughter comes to me this morning and with these broken hearts, I'm like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Why'd you draw some broken hearts? That's so sad. Like, and she goes, <coughs> it's not sad, mommy. Look, and there's a bit of green at the bottom. And immediately in my head, I'm flashed too. And these, again, this is a flash, random flash. This thing, this whole thing I watched about Japanese. Mm, hopefully it's Japanese. Gosh, I hope I don't have that wrong. The art of like the bowls that crack. Like when something's broken and they put it back together with the gold like paint or whatever. I don't know what it is, but it's so beautiful. It's just gorgeous. It's like you're repairing it by adding beauty. So I had this flash in my head. Sorry, I have to get more water. This is why you hear me walking here. Um, I had this flash in my head about... So the part is broken, but there's this little green at the bottom. The The green is like the repairing of the gold, whatever. Anyway, she goes, see, mommy? And she's like, watch. And then she starts drawing this Christmas tree that's coming out of the heart. And I'm like, flash to the conversation I've had with my friend 24 hours earlier, less than 24 hours, about the Christmas and how she thinks love's coming in Christmas. And, and, and my friend's... Or my daughter's drawing this broken heart that's growing a Christmas tree. Like, it's so funny. My, she does stuff all the time, and and the, and she, um, she also every morning has a theme to what she's like gonna wear, and she's like, I don't know. It's something intuitive. Like she wakes up and is being told, okay, today is white day, and she has to wear all white, and like. It's just, I don't know, all pink. And then, and she'll have like different themes. Like today's water day. 
and like she'll drink a lot of water and wear all blue <laughs> like talk about water she's so funny she's so funny but like her art every time she does art I'm like what does it mean and you're like she's like this little intuitive artist and the best thing is she this is nothing intuitive but she uh went to a birthday party this weekend and came home her Oh my god, this is an hour and a half episode, and I'm just like rambling about nothing. Um, she went to a birthday party, and um, she fuck came home with a notebook, and she was like, "It's my new diary. I'm so excited. I get a new diary." And I like all the time buy her diaries because I think I don't know. I like no- notebooks for kids. I think it's a healthy way to like process your emotions, talk about things, draw whatever you want, whatever. She's learning how to read and write, so it's a good thing, right? So she brings this diary home. She spends like hours in her bunk bed drawing in this diary. And then at night she goes, okay, mommy, I want to show you what's my diary, but don't tell anyone. It's top secret. It's my diary. And it says on there, Ophelia's dairy. (laughs) Like diary is spelled wrong. It's spelled dairy the best. (laughs) I love kids. And then she proceeds to show me like 30 pages in her diary of pictures of pizza. One page is a plain pizza the next pizza is with pepperoni next has mushrooms next as no cheese like it just goes on and on and then there's a picture of a pizza oven and then there's a picture of like it's this whole story about this pizza oven and mixing ingredients and whatever but it's like 30 pages in her and like what is this are we gonna get a pizza oven is she predicting something stay tuned stay tuned and then my other daughter my middle kid who is the Olympic athlete, she, my friend and I used to joke around about her being like the, the least intuitive one. Cause she's just so, she's more like my husband in, in that she's, um, I don't know. She's actually like the perfect combination of the two of us. Like she's very, um, driven and not that I'm not driven, but my husband's like the energizer bunny keeps going all the time. She's very much like that. Um, and, but she's also like very emotional like me. So we have like the the two sides. But um I recently realized that she often will bring me my signs. So I I will often ask for a sign throughout the week. I haven't done this in a while actually. But I I ask for a sign. And one day I had a blue crayfish. A blue crayfish, something ridiculous. And she came home and was like, my friend has a blue crayfish. And I was like, what? Like she, and she will do that all the time. Same thing. Bring home a picture she drew with the sign that I asked for or like a story. She'll be like, mom, come here and watch this random video on YouTube that I hate watching random videos on YouTube that are stupid. And it'll all of a sudden it's like a thing of red balloons go by. And that was my sign for the week. So your kids... If you're developing your own intuition, just pay attention to your kids because they are the masters of bringing signs forward. Masters. They are so good at bringing forth signs from the other side and from like just the universe. If you're asking for like a sign for guidance or whatever, your kids are, my kids are all the time. are like, mommy, mommy, look at this. And I'm like, I don't want to watch this stupid. And then I'm like, oh, I do want to watch that. That is exactly what I needed to see. Thank you very much. Why didn't, like, my kids are often, I think, tools. They're like, 
kids are annoying sometimes, right? Like sometimes you just want to like listen to your audiobook and like do the dishes and not to listen to screaming. But oftentimes what I've noticed is my kids will kind of snap me out of when I'm in my head, you know, when I'm living in my head and I'm I'm in a zone where I'm like analyzing things or I'm living in an ego zone, they will somehow snap me out of it to be in the present moment. And often those times where they snap me out of it to be in the present moment, I'm like presented with something that I've been asking for all along that I wasn't getting because I was in my head. So kids are great tools for that. And I also wanted to say, I'm sorry this episode is so long. Um, uh, I am like super into self-care and meditating and um, finding that time for yourself to like develop your own intuition and your own like ability to connect with yourself and all that stuff. And it's important to be able to have that time for yourself. And I sometimes will get frustrated because my kids never want to leave me alone. They love me so much. And that's a wonderful blessing and wonderful and blah, blah, blah. But often I'm just like, oh, I just want to meditate in peace. What I have found in the last few months is the more I involve my kids, the more they want to be involved, which is annoying sometimes. But um, it's really beneficial for them to develop this practice too. So to, to have them involved... I think as annoying as it can be sometimes, I think it's going to help them have these practices going forward that are going to really help them understand themselves a little bit more. So I've been doing the tuning forks with my kids and they are obsessed. They love it so much. If you have a kid who's like neurodiverse in any way, and if even if you don't, so my daughters, they are... I don't know. They could have some sort of ADHD too. Honestly, I don't know. But because my son is so far um, swinging in the ADHD direction, they seem fairly normal. I hate the word normal because we all are, I know we're all so unique and different. They all love the tuning forts. It's not just, fuck, I just, I got my um, (laughs) candle going and I've been doing this for two hours. So it's like burning everywhere. Um, they uh they love I could just blow the candle out like what a moron. They love the tuning forks and they love the singing bowls and they just love Reiki in general, so I do Reiki on them. They love like my kids love snuggling, right? And they know that I'm a good snuggler. I think that I've got like special healing energy in that way. Like honestly, all the kids come up to me for hugs too. I think I'm actually just a really good hugger. Um, I think I've always had that power. So I, I do Reiki on them. They love it. And I'm like, oh, I keep thinking, oh, I need more people to practice on. Then I'm like, I'm, my kids want to do this all the time. I'm going to take advantage of my kids being into this stuff. And, uh, so I'm just sharing that in case you're like, you're trying to develop something and you're like, oh, my kids are getting in the way of this. Like the kids can be used to like help you practice and the kids and it can help the kids in a lot of ways so with the sound healing with my son with his ADHD I said in the last episode or another episode that I can feel the electrical impulses in his body and I don't it's not that when I do the Reiki and the sound healing those go away but the impulses are kind of guided in a more healthy way and after he leaves and he goes back to bed he always feels more relaxed he feels like this energy going through him has settled a bit so I highly recommend, I can put it in, maybe I'll put it in the in a blog or something, something with the sound healing. Um, I don't want to be like, I don't, I can post what I have. I have tuning forks. There's one that's 512 C's. What is that? 
what does C stand for? <laughs> Something musical. 256 and 128. See, I don't really know much. I just wanted to get some to play around and I would love to get more, but um, this is what I have to start with and it's been really helpful and I use that with some crystals and I play around and it's been really great for him to kind of regulate his own frequency in his body. And I really think it's been helpful and he really loves it. And uh, Hey, maybe, maybe you have a kid who's really stressed and you get them a tuning fork and they just play with it when they go to bed and they feel that vibration. My son was saying, I think I said this in the last episode, that we want to invent like a, a vibrating blanket to kind of give the same sensation. I think that, like he kept saying, I just wish I had that sensation on me all the time. So I think tuning forks would be a good gift for a kid, honestly. If you have a kid with, instead of a fidget spinner, get a tuning fork that you keep doing and you can just like keep tuning into that vibration and feeling in that energy instead of feeling out of sorts. Because I think a lot of people with ADHD and stuff, they feel out of alignment with their own energetic body and like getting into that. The medication helps, but like there's other things that you can do to get into your energetic alignment. That my son, again, like being outside, going for nature walks, just going out in the forest grounding yourself anyone anyone on this earth if you can go out there and put your feet in the grass or sand or whatever it will help you feel more balanced and more aligned with your own energy um so i think people with adhd i i think it was on the podcast the spirit speakers podcast i think and they said that instead of sending your kid for a timeout, send your kid to walk around the yard three times or walk around go hug a tree for three minutes instead like those that is so much more beneficial than timeouts and I always have to remind myself that because that's something that I really need to actively do with my son like when my son's being annoying and my daughter's tumbling instead of being like go play on my phone in the corner over there I should say go walk to the park and back you know and go outside for a bit you know and he's he's recognized that now he's like I'll just go sit outside by the tree he knows it makes him feel better so environment, being out in the, in whatever, um, connecting to the element that they connect with. Some kids are really into fire. Some kids are really into water, being in the water. Some kids are really into nature, right? Connecting to the element. If your kid's a fire energy, they might be like super passionate about things, super just like fiery and, and spunky. Um, but they might be like mesmerized, mesmerized by looking into a candle or like want to light candles and blow them out 500 times. That's a thing for sure. Um, so try to just lean into that energy and, um, my gosh, what else did I have to say about good things? Music. Um, there's always a vibe in your house. And if you wake up on the wrong side of your bed and your kid is being annoying or whatever, there's like 90 seconds. And it's hard when you have a kid who's like super, um, hard to come off meltdowns. But for the most part, most people are able to like change their mood in 90 seconds. So that's usually a song. So if you can get everyone on the same song mood, if, if there's a ha- song you can play in your house when the mood is going wrong, you know, my daughter loves that Girls on Fire by Alicia Keys. And so we play that a lot in our house. But if you, oh, Green Green Grass by George Ezra is a big one for us. Everyone in our house likes that song. So when I can feel the mood shifting in the house, I'll often like play that and, and everyone seems in better mood after. So like 90 seconds can really make a difference. And if you can play music during that time, 
Um, sometimes music doesn't work. Sometimes my, my son is like, don't play anything. And sometimes he's in a mood where he's banging all the time. And I'm like, oh, that's him like stimming and he has to do that. But it drives everyone else crazy. How can we do this in a healthier way? I don't know what the answer is yet. Um, I'm like, do I buy my drum set or is that way worse? Don't know the answer. I've seen those like those. I get them all the time on my Facebook feed. They're like, I think it's by Balmy. I might get one of those. It's like a drum that doesn't sound so bad. Like it's a, it's like a steel drum. It's really pretty. I think he would love that actually. So music is really great for kids um, who are intuitive, but also who are, who are neurodiverse in any way. Um, and I think that an important part about raising a kid who, who's intuitive and who is just like, it's a scary thing. It's just to be like completely open and listen and just kind of believe and listen, right? I think that's one of the reasons why kids come up to me at the schools because I listen and I'm never like, don't, don't be absurd. That's stupid, you know? I'm like, okay, well, I ask follow-up questions and I never want anyone to feel uncomfortable sharing something with me. And I want, yeah, anyway, so I think that if you have a kid who's, who's going through, who's intuitive or whatever, make, normalize it as much as you can so they feel as comfortable as possible talking to you about stuff. Um, and at our house, like, the, the lights flashed and we're like, hey, Pops, or hey, Omi, you know, um, or, hey, Super Omi. Like, anyone who's dead in our family, we, we regularly talk to because we assume they're around us. That's normal in our house. Um, my husband's not quite there, but he's also, like, not against it because then my kids get to have a relationship with their his father and it's a beautiful thing. So... Um, that's regular in our house. And I think the more we make things like that regular, the less scary it is to talk about. And so my 10 year old son who has problems sleeping at night, he's able to like communicate why and describe what's happening. And we're able to talk about it a bit more. And we talk about it while I'm doing the sound healing and he's able to release some stuff. And if he held that stuff in, that would be, I mean, it it would be a lot worse. So I think being an open vessel for your kid to talk to is really probably the most important thing in the journey. Um, and again, I don't have all the answers, but I think that that's been the best thing for me is just being open um, for to, to be able to listen. So I hope this episode helped in some way. If you have a kid who's intuitive, play games to amplify their intuition, fun games, and it... it those games can help you also amplify your intuition. We play a game where we flip the card. We just go red or black. It's like playing war, but you're just going red or black. And we do that all the time. Stuff like that. We do stuff like that all the time. And it's just really fun. And uh, yeah, I think that's all I have to talk about today. Um, kids. Oh, I, I don't know. I could go on and on about like past lives and stuff. I think I said... On the epilepsy board, I don't know if I said this, but I went on there once and, and I said, does anyone else on, does anyone else have kids who have psychic abilities? And there was like, it was a shit ton of answers. And the answers were like, yeah, my kid was a carpenter in a past life and he can name all the tools. Um, I've never even heard of them. Uh, they're definitely not on Bob the Builder, but I don't believe it because I'm Christian. Like, 
<laughs> all these things that like people would have all this proof of stuff and be like, but it's not real because it can't be because my religion says so, which I think is just interesting. Um, anyways, uh, so there's something in the epilepsy and the psychic abilities, just in case you're like, just, you didn't finish that story. I could go on about that for like another three hours. So I'm going to stop this episode here. I feel like every layer of my son's stuff, I could go on for, for more. Um, but basically he's a, he's a, he's an onion and he's very intuitive, is very connected, has, has turned it off a lot since being in school. He's in fifth grade now and he definitely shuts it off a lot, but nighttime is really hard for him. So, um, uh, yeah, that's all I have to talk about today, I guess. I know I'm going to talk more about this in the future. So I'm sorry this was an hour and 45 minutes and I'm not even done with everything I have to say, but I hope something got through to someone in this episode and I hope you have a wonderful day. And check out my website, appendageexperiments.com. I hope to uh, connect with you further. Have a good one.